This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Bigfoot's back. That's correct, Bigfoot's back. Well, actually, Bigfoot's never been gone, but we're back to Bigfoot. You see, I was watching YouTube the other night, and I came across the whole series downloaded from Les Stroud's Survivor Man uh, In Search of Bigfoot series. I think it's called In Search of Bigfoot. Les Stroud seems like an all-around cool guy, a uh, outdoor survival expert. And he's talked about Bigfoot a little bit in the past, but he's never gotten too far deep into the weeds on the subject. But this recent uh, video series he's put out is, well, it's mesmerizing. I've been binging on it. I can't I can't quit watching it. It's that habit for me. And he really goes into detail. He meets some interesting people. They go deep into uh, wilderness country, and they just, uh, they do things like the wood knocking. Uh, they put out some, you know, different types of food uh, to try to attract in, um, you know, a, a possible Bigfoot. And then he points out some things that a lot, you know, we've probably heard about in passing, like the tree breaks. But Les goes there on the site and finds these tree breaks. Some of them they think maybe 10, 20, 30, maybe even 50 years old they've been laying there. Big uh, 12, uh, 15, 20 foot tall trees, uh, maybe big around as a man's arm. They have been broken in half, you know, maybe 8, 10, 12 foot up in the air. And then almost arranged in like a, almost like in a TP formation, as if someone's trying to leave a sign, or what they thought maybe it's possibly like a, a a border mark. I don't know, but it's it's just when you when you see this guy who's a survival expert and he shows you how hard it is to break a tree without an axe, and then you see these trees that are you know I don't know four or five six inches across being snapped off like that. And he shows you the difference between a tree that might be broken over because of the snow or wind and, and the difference in how these trees are arranged. Some of them pulled up. Some of them, they pick, they've, they've picked the trees up by the roots and then the root ends up in the air. Very, very bizarre. It definitely looks like something that is involved in intelligent design. And he goes all through these different behaviors uh, throughout the, the series. And it's just fascinating. He also goes through and shows some tracks he's found, shows the difference between bear tracks and, and what what people think may be Bigfoot tracks. He takes a look at a couple of different, uh, so far at least I've seen a couple of different uh, uh, Indi- uh, Native American communities uh, where they've gone in and, and he's talked to them about their folklore and experiences people there have had. And that part was was very interesting. So I got to looking around a little bit here and I found, this is uh, this article came from a, a source called Richland Soars. It's about a Bigfoot, a Bigfoot sighting. And it seems like this is kind of the thing that we see in Bigfoot sightings. It's not an uncommon thing where a person, you know, who's not in the outdoors happens to see one of these creatures uh, at the edge of an urbanized environment. And that always seems to cause a really uh, unique reaction. Now, I have a link at the website along with uh, Les's videos and the other articles talking about it at ufowarning.com. 
ufowarning.com. You can go there and get a link. The title says, Bigfoot Woman Reports Sasquatch Encounter Outside Gym in Ashland. Now, I'll tell you where it's at right off the bat. Ashland, Ohio, because you can read the entire article and not find that out. Had to do a little bit of looking around to figure out where they were actually at. Ashland, Ohio. I don't know why, but sometimes people write these local articles, and they write the articles if everybody who's reading the article lives within two miles and knows exactly what they're talking about. It begins by saying, Ashland, the, twin, Ashland, the 20-year-old woman walked out of Warehouse 24-hour gym around midnight, her workout complete. She turned to the right and headed to her car in the well-up parking lot. There were no other vehicles in the lot on that side of the building. Constructed and opened in 2018, but she was reportedly not alone on the cool, clear spring night, April 24th. The woman heard a twig snap. She looked and saw a creature, seven or eight feet tall and covered in gray fur, racing back into the woods about 30 yards away. It was, too, it was far too large, likely several hundred pounds, and moved too quickly to be a man, she believed. Shaken and in tears, she, she called her parents from a nearby restaurant, asking them to come and drive her home. Now, a couple of things there. First off, the twig snap. You know, that thing walked up there without being heard. I think the twig snap was an intentional attempt at communication by this thing. And this is something that comes up over and over again uh, in, in, in the video with uh, the Survivor Man series, uh, the twig snapping. That, that It's almost this attempt to say, hey, I'm here. And you read about it in other cases also. Secondly, this woman saw something. She was startled and upset enough that she called her parents to come pick her up. So whether you believe she saw Bigfoot or not, she definitely saw something. It says she had likely encountered a Sasquatch, according to nationally acclaimed Bigfoot investigator Matthew Moneymaker, who has devoted much of his life to the pursuit of the mysterious creature, including the national cable TV show Finding Bigfoot. Moneymaker, a California resident who founded Bigfoot Field Research Organization in 1995, spoke to the woman and let her and her father before posting report 69065 on his website. There were plans to visit her in person to gain more information and research the location of the sighting outside the gym at 1151 Commerce Parkway on the site on the city's east side. Unfortunately, Moneymaker said some of the woman's friends and co-workers learned of her experience through the website and made light of her claim. She and her father asked her name be removed from the website report, a request with, with which Moneymaker complied. She isn't interested in further participation. She isn't backing off what she claims she saw. She stands by what she saw, and so do her parents, he said. She is a young woman and doesn't want people who may be ignorant making fun of her. I believe her, and I do think it happened. This is not a hoax report. Now, this is something we also hear so much of it, and it's really quite sad in today's society that people still have to be about ridicule, have to be concerned about being ridiculed when they report seeing uh, UFO or some other uh, paranormal experience. It says green flags. Moneymaker, who lived in Ohio for four years in the early 1990s while earning a law degree from the University of Akron, said the woman's stories raised far more green flags than red ones. It was those green flags that led me to believe there is something to this, he said. Her father is the one who filed the report on the website. He has a lot of trust and faith in his daughter and what she said she saw that night. He knows she saw something that scared her. According to the report, Moneymaker authored the Ashland According to the report Moneymaker authored, the Ashland woman was certain of the creature she saw and was not and she's 
and was not any other kind of animal or a human being in a costume. It came back to the woods at an angle to right and was quickly obscured from her view by the corner of the gym building. She only saw a side view of it and ran off with as it ran off with large arms swinging. She said she most likely would not have noticed it at all, but for the noise of the twig breaking, which she assumed was caused by the creature standing on wood debris, Moneymaker wrote. The way it bolted off when it fled is what frightened her the most. It was very fast. The girl's father went to the site the next morning and found lots of deep tracks and exposed patches of ground around the parcel of woods, a, a quarry often pursued pursued by Sasquatch, according to Moneymaker. Moneymaker, who, Moneymaker, who is familiar with the area, used maps available on the internet to examine the surrounding area, resulting in more green flags. Whichever way that deer would use to access the land, access that island of woods behind the warehouse, Jim, is likely the same pathway the Sasquatch would have used, Moneymaker said. If a deer or Sasquatch came to those woods from the north, there is only a hundred yards or so of exposed field to cross in the dark before make, before reaching a large swampy area connected to the Jerome Fork of the Mohican River. So the location is far more plausible. So the location is far more plausible for a Sasquatch than it appears at first in aerial photos. The key element is the presence of deer. That shows that there is both a pathway and a reason for a Sasquatch to approach the edge of the development late at night, Moneymaker said. He said the recent economic development on the eastern edge of the Ashland community has likely encroached on areas that Sasquatch have frequented previously unseen. In his website report, the Bigfoot guru suggested that those interested check the swampy zone directly north of the sighting. A specific place to look for tracks would be where the swampy zone in Jerome Fork passes underneath the I-71 freeway, Followed deer past in that area. Within a couple of days, he said a woman who had seen this web report was traveling through the area on I-71. He said she stopped and took photos and found what looked like excellent what looked like excellent places on the Jerome Fork, where it flows under the highway that would be prime spots for Sasquatch to take refuge. Goes on and says moneymaker assigned the Ashland sighting a Class A rating, the highest on his three-tiered skill. According to his website, the difficulties between the classification relates to the potential for misinterpretation of what was observed or heard. A given witness might be very credible, but could have honestly misinterpreted something that has was seen, found, or heard. Thus, for the most part, the circumstances of the incident determine the potential for a misinterpretation, and therefore the classification of the report. He said a Class A report involves clear signals and circumstances where misinterpretation or misidentification of the animals can be ruled out with great confidence. Goes on and says, or she saw someone in a Bigfoot costume, which makes no sense. Ordinarily, in a hoax, a person reporting the sighting or taking the photos is in on the hoax. He said there have been many thousands of credible Sasquatch sightings over the years, including many in the Mohican River area, adding more credibility to the Ashland Woods report. My hypothesis is they follow water, creek, streams, rivers, ridgelines, and abandoned railroad beds, as well as power line routes. Those are the same pathways followed by the deer which Sasquatch are seeking, he said. According to his website, this marks the sixth Sasquatch sighting in Ashland County dating back to 1943 when a man recalled being picked up by a Bigfoot as a child. More recently, in 2015, residents at a campground near Lindenville reported seeing a tall figure, perhaps eight feet tall, in the shadows before it bolted away. It says Ohio is a hotbed. Moneymaker said Ohio has become a hotbed for Sasquatch sightings. 
is where he and his he had his own face-to-face -face sightings in a wildlife area in the eastern Ohio area in the 1990s. His website lists 309 Ohio sightings, though he said many more go unreported. There have been four in Richland County and now one in Knox County, according to the website. Guernsey County, home to the wooded Salt Fork State Park, leads with 14 reported sightings, including 10 in the past two decades. The geography and topography of the state parks provide a good habitat for Bigfoot, as does the plentiful supply of deer around Ohio. Says he recognizes there are many skeptics who question the existence of these so-called wood apes and question why more evidence has not been found. I know it's hard to accept they are real until you are your own face-to-face. Until you have your own face-to-face -face encounter, moneymaker said. People keep trying to fit them into the mind of another mold of another species. We are thinking of them as humans, like they would have a human address. They continue to move around often at night when deer are more likely to be active. They are more often going to be walking around daytime in full view. Everything quiets down at night between 10 p.m. and sunrise. That's the most likely time for a Sasquatch sighting, he says. It's interesting. An interesting sighting. That's out of Ashland, Ohio. Now, I want to go back here and take a look at another article I came across. It comes from earthsasquatchresearchers.org. The link is also at the website ufowarning.com. ufowarning.com. It says, most people think that we do not know much about the behavior of Sasquatches. However, that simply is not the case. Through years of study and eyewitness testimony, we have seen the same behavior patterns over and over, giving us a fairly good understanding of at least many aspects of their behavior and lifestyles, even if we do not usually know why they do what they do. This page continues the discussion of the various aspects of Sasquatch behavior that we have seen and studied. Now it talks about the organization. It says we really do not know their exact organization at this time. Now there's been reports of uh, Bigfoot families from time to time, but usually it's just one or two individuals that are spotted. It goes on and talks about uh, ape-like traits. It says lack of fire usage, very limited of any tool usage, lack of scleria, that means no whites of the eyes, a metacarsal hinge in the foot, uh, a, a sagittal crest, that's the big hump on the head. So they do seem to have, there does seem to be some uh, ape-like qualities in their appearance at least. It says human-like traits, bipedalism, possible language, language mimic mimicry, possibly a more advanced social structure, at least in the apes. Uh, hiding. Sasquatches usually seem to take hiding from us to extreme levels. And this is something that we've seen a lot in the Lust Stroud videos. Uh, they could be walking all over the place and not see one, but maybe be coming back toward camp and you could you could hear the tree knocking or uh, a strange, unrecognizable sound. Didn't match a coyote, didn't match a wolf, didn't match a, a mountain lion or a bear. So they're leaving evidence, but they just seemed... In, uh, extremely intent on staying hidden. goes on here, it says, stalking and paralleling behavior. Very few animals will actively follow a human in the forest. Most large animals will run away or at least stay hidden. Known exceptions to this are hungry grizzlies and mountain lions. One won't typically know that they are following you until it's too late. The other exception is Sasquatch. Many reports include stalking and paralleling behavior. Typically, the Sasquatch ghost alongside the witness paralleling the path of the humans are on sometimes they are very stealthy and are only revealed by a glimpse or two of movement or the odd branch break here or there. And these types of stalking that people typically don't associate the stalking with 
Sasquatch until some other event or sighting transpires. Other times, the Sasquatches are very noticeable, seemingly out of their way, seemingly going out of their way to break things and make noises, possibly in an attempt to frighten or intimidate the people into leaving the area. These encounters can be quite frightening. Also, it says throwing things, stories of rocks, sticks, and other items being thrown at or near people in the wilderness of North America go back more than a century. It is quite often one of the first indications that there may be a Sasquatch present throwing rocks and sticks as a means of intimidation. It is a behavior trait found in all the great apes, and frankly, humans as well. Only ours have progressed from sticks and rocks to guided missiles. It goes on and says, um, Sasquatch appears to throw things for three reasons that we have experienced. Intimidation. They throw rocks and sticks to scare and drive an intruder away. They seldom actually hit people, but unerringly hit near us, quite often in the dark. Conditions that are <clears throat> quite often in dark conditions. There are reliable stories of rocks being slammed down at people's feet, walking into tree trunks next to a researcher's head, and even one story of a camera being knocked out of someone's hand by a rock. Curiosity, many times when we've been camping in areas known for Sasquatch encounters, we've had small twigs, berries, and cones, pebbles, etc. thrown into camp. Sometimes this happens when people are around a campfire. Sometimes the items are tossed at a tent with people in it. We don't know why they do this, but we think they may be testing us to see how we will react. And we saw some of this going on with Les Stroud in one of his videos where he was visited in the middle of the night. Kind of spooky, actually. Hunting, this is assumption based on how well and how powerful they throw rocks at us, but it would make sense that if they throw as well as they seem to, they could use, they could use rocks to hunt small games. And then it says uh, thread display. Others, other than throwing rocks at us, uh, discuss people with Sasquatches, a typical primate, primate threat displays, including stomping, tree shaking, branch breaking, chest beating, puffing, swaying, and advanced rushing. All of these behaviors have been documented through numerous encounter reports. What is also interesting is, is, is these same behaviors can be seen in both the great apes and humans. And then it talks about curiosity. Sasquatches seem to be very curious about the things in their environment, especially new things. Uh, covers a little bit about their gait and their speed. Sasquatch are fast. We know of at least one reliable port report where a Sasquatch ran alongside a car traveling 35 miles per hour with apparent ease. Other reports have clocked them much faster yet. Witnesses report, see, report that they have a very fluid gait, almost looking like they are cross-country skiing when running. Unlike humans, they do not stagger their steps. Instead, they tend to place one foot in front of the other in a line. We assume that this allows them to follow narrow woodland trails with ease. Talks about vocalizations. Throughout the years, witnesses and the Bigfoot community have attributed many vocalizations and sounds to Sasquatches. Very rarely has anyone actually seen the Sasquatches make these sounds. Thus, we cannot ever be certain that the sounds we hear are coming from a Sasquatch and not from some other source. There are actually a lot of animals that make strange noises that most people are unfamiliar with. However, witnesses have seen Sasquatches scream, chatter, and howl. Also, there are sounds that, that we there are sounds that we hear regularly in areas where Sasquatches are known to be active, but in other areas, such but not in other areas such as the following. Then it's, it talks about the whoops. We hear this whooping sound, howls, moans, and roars. There are highly variable calls that usually carry far and have a lot of power behind them. Witnesses who have 
been near the sources of these calls often describe feeling the call in their bodies as much as hearing it. These calls are often superficially similar to other known animals such as wolves and cattle. Spectrograph analysis of recorded calls can show nuances that cannot be heard by the ear alone and can aid in separating these calls from known sources. So that tells you they could be communicating at a sound level that we're not capable of hearing. I mean, obviously, they're making sounds that we can't hear at the human level. Screams, like whoops, screams can be heard at almost any volume level. These high-pitched calls sound very, sound very similar to a woman or a child screaming. This call can be very unnerving when one hears it coming from a dark forest in the middle of the night. Rabbits, fox, coyote, and other birds, such as barred owls, also make calls that can be confused with these calls. It is therefore important to get to know these sounds these animals can make before going into the field. And talks about knocks and clicks. We've heard about this. About uh, It sounds like two rocks clicking together, rock or wood against wood. And then it says here, growls, deep-throated and guttural, sometimes just barely on the lower edge of hearing. The growl of a Sasquatch is a very frightening thing. You can feel it as much as hear it, leading many to believe that they are actually capable of producing infrasound. That's something that the lion does, of course, below the range of our hearing. Of course, other large mammals are capable of producing growls as well. So just hearing a growl in the woods is never good enough to state that it was actually a Sasquatch without supporting evidence. Then whistles. The whistles heard in Sasquatch areas are quite different than those a human can make. They are usually short, sharp, and very loud. Unlike human and bird whistles, these have more substance and sound thirdier. We hypothesize they create these whistles with their voice boxes rather than a mechanical whistle a human makes. They appear to be used as a sort of signal as they are often answered from a different location. And then shatter in speech, voices in the woods, and a phrase witnesses use to describe sounds they often hear in areas where Sasquatch are active. The voices are usually described as being unintelligible, but seeming to form words. Sometimes the speech seems to be chatter, like one would expect from chimpanzees. The pitch of the voices varies from encounter to encounter. Many people believe that the Sasquatches possess the ability to use language, or at least a proto-language, of, of course, and then mimicry. Sasquatches seem to have the ability to mimic other creatures and even human speech, right down to the sound of our voices. Many researchers and other witnesses have called into the woods only to have their own voices respond sometime later. It says, relationship with canines. Sasquatches seem to hate our dogs. Now, this is something that was brought up in one of the Les Stroud videos uh, about a, a person that had gone in to do some big put research in an area and uh, had brought, I think he said, four large dogs with him. And after he left, or maybe before he left, there were, had been some uh, tree bending and a lot of stuff thrown around. It seemed like he'd really uh, upset whatever it was that was living there. The Sasquatches seem to hate our dogs. First, they tend not to come as close to camps and homes that have dogs. Second, when the rare dog actually chases one, the dog is usually found dead and mangled, if found at all. Most dogs are absolutely terrified of Sasquatches and will cover and, and will cower and whimper when they are around. Wild canines seem to have a different relationship with them, though no one is really certain what that relationship is. Coyotes regularly herd in conjunction with Sasquatch howls, and they almost seem to follow the Sasquatch. Wolves, too, are often herd in conjunction with Sasquatch activity, though the nature of that relationship seems to be more adversarial. And then it says gifting. People who have food, people who, have, people who leave food out for Sasquatches 
often report that small items such as pretty rocks, sticks, flowers, bones, and even one report of a small kitten left are in place. That doesn't sound like a very nice thing to do to the cat after the food is taken. Obviously, there... Huh. And even one report of a small kitten are left in place of the food after the food is taken. So apparently the Bigfoot took the food and left a small kitten. Kind of a scary thought. Obviously this is not something a bear or other animals likely do. No, certainly not. Environmental manipulation. Like other primates, Sasquatch manipulate the environment around them in various ways, such as the following, and this is blinds and shelters. Along game trails, we have found many structures similar to teepees made of logs, sticks, and bent over trees. This is what they were showing also in the Lestral videos. These structures typically have a large area inside them where one can sit and rest while being camouflaged from the night by anything on the trail. Often these structures show signs that something large and heavy has been sitting in them. Yeah, and the one, he had one where there was something large and heavy sitting near it, that's for sure. Arches. Arches are formed from living trees that have been bent to the ground, and then a log is laid across the branches. We have seen arches made from small saplings and large ones made from 20-foot-tall trees. Arches do occur naturally when one tree falls and pins a smaller tree to the ground, but these cases, but in these cases, a pinning branch is always on the angle of 45 degrees or less to the trunk of the pinned tree. Arches that are made tend to have the pinning log perpendicular to the trunk of the pinned log, something that would not normally be possible in a stormfall situation. Arches are typically found paralleling a human road or trail. We hypothesize that these are made by the, by the Sasquatches as markers so that when coming out of the woods, they will see the arches and know that they are coming to a human trail. And it says gates. Gates are created when Sasquatches use other trees or other obstacles to block a road or trail. Sometimes the gates are elaborate where they pull a small tree from each side of the trail down over the trail, weaving the branches together to hold the two trees together across the trail. Other times, the gates are simple logs paced across the trail or road. Many researchers report large X markers in areas where Sasquatches are active. Of all the structures, these would be the most likely to happen naturally, but in some cases the X's seem deliberate and occur with a frequency not seen in areas without Sasquatch activity. And then he says tree breaks. Broken trees and branches are fairly common in areas where Sasquatches are present. Truth be told, they are fairly common in any woods and occur naturally via wind and weather. However, these breaks seem to occur more frequently in Sasquatch habitats and they occur with an observable pattern, usually. Smaller trees and branches are often just broken off as if someone had reached out and broke the branch down, snapping it. These breaks are often seen alongside Sasquatch trails as the Sasquatch clear the way for themselves to walk. We also see these breaks, especially the tops of the small spruce and, and firs, broken off near the hidden entrance to a groomed trail. Finally, these small breaks are often seen in what can only be thought of as a playful pattern, as if the Sasquatches just broke their branches out of boredom. We've seen areas where the whole tops of small spruce are broken clean off and thrown to the side 30 feet from the tree. Larger branches and even whole trees up to several inches in diameter can be found bent and broken by a single spiral twisting action. This action does not occur easily in nature and requires something with a human-like grip to do it. However, many of these trees are broken with forces far beyond human capabilities. These, of course, make for the most compelling evidence that they cannot be, that they cannot be easily explained through any other means other than a large, powerful hominid. 
This is stick structures. Most of what was discussed in this section already could be considered stick structures, but there are a lot of variations in structures that people find. Most of what we described as stick structures need to be taken with a grain of salt as they may, be very, they may very well have happened through storm activity or even the work of industrious children on a camping trip that on a camping trip. That said, we do find structures that defy explanation from time to time and do not easily fit into one of the other classifications. And then I'm going to finish up here with just a couple more stacked rocks. Occasionally we find stacked rocks in areas where Sasquatch are active. These are usually found along roads or in your sources of food. Tree bites, bites on trees, seem to be a fairly rare occurrence. These bite marks usually occur on the trunk of a small tree at about five to seven feet above the ground. Trails. Sasquatch do not always form groom trails. Many groups of them seem content to use human paths. It talks about that a little bit. You can find the article at ufowarning.com. I, I, that's probably one of the more uh, in-depth articles I've come across on just talking about bit, uh, Bigfoot behavior. There's also a link there to an article. Uh, I just kind of threw it in just for kicks and giggles. Uh, it was a situation where somebody had sent a FISA, I believe, to the FBI on a Bigfoot case. 40 years it had been a classified report. We finally got it unclassified when they determined after 40 years that the hair uh, had come from a deer and not a Bigfoot. And I put that on there because I just it came off the History Channel, I believe. And I put that on there just because it shows you um, what I would say, just kind of the neurotic obsession that the deep state and our federal government in general has with classifying stuff. You know, a Bigfoot report. A Bigfoot report from 40 years ago, and they had to they had to stamp a secret on it. You know, I think it goes back to this notion of disclosure. We're not going to get disclosure from the from the deep state. So that's why we need to do all the research we can, and that's why I find it so uh, fascinating that somebody with uh, Les Stroud's uh, credibility, quite frankly, is approaching this topic seriously. And going out in the field and doing some real hands-on scientific research. Now, whether this Bigfoot is a purely biological creature, as he talks about, or whether it's something clear on the other end where it's some sort of alien entity or inter interdimensional creature, we don't know. But at least he's out there looking, listening, and finding evidence, and we can have a discussion about it. And I think that that's an important thing for people that, that have an interest in the UFO phenomena uh, some of these other paranormal type things do have overlapping uh, areas, I think. And I think you can see that in some of the UFO reports involving Bigfoot. But I wanted to start off this uh, this uh, program today just talking about Bigfoot, mainly looking at it just from a physical construct and the kind of things that we can attribute to what it's doing uh, out there in the wild. Now, is that the whole story? No, of course not. But I think it's a great place to start. And I think that Les Stroud's uh, videos that you can find there on YouTube is also a really great place to start if you have an interest in finding out more about Bigfoot. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.